I'm going to begin with verse 4 of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 12. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Finally in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. All right, well, this is kind of like part two or the, the Father's Day edition of uh, Homemade Disciples that we did on Mother's Day and then on Father's Day. This is the first time really that I remember doing a, a Mother's Day sermon and a Father's Day sermon. Uh, usually I just kind of preach through whatever part of the Bible we're preaching through at that time or whatever, but um, it's been interesting for me. You know, it's something that I'm, I'm passionate about as a dad these days, you know, whereas once upon a time, you know, so if, if you're, uh, you know, not a parent, haven't been a parent, don't plan to be a parent, and you're not passionate about this, I'm sorry, uh, but uh, we still have an important role for you to play and hope to touch on that as we go. Before I dive in to today's message, I want to mention that uh, in May was the five-year mark of uh, Julie's and my coming to be the pastor here at Cypress Street, and y'all threw us a surprise party on Wednesday and gave us a generous gift that you'd collected, and we we're so thankful for that. Uh, next week, I'm going to do a sort of sermon slash message, uh, state of the church, kind of we're at the five-year mark. Let's just take a look at things. How are things going? Where are we headed? That kind of thing. So I just wanted to uh, mention that to you. So more about that next week. But it's not easy being a dad sometimes. I joked on Mother's Day about uh, my kids' preference for their mother over me. And some of you have been quick to point out that uh, my children seem to be pretty loving to me in public. And they are getting more loving. That's true. Uh, we are making progress. And as they get older, uh, Dad gets cooler every day. So I have a dream of a day. No. Uh, one time, though, when, when Hadley was little, we were uh, waking up one morning, and she probably woke us up that morning. And I got out of bed, and I got on the floor to exercise a little workout, you know, something manly and strong. And, and I got down on the floor and I was doing that and, and Julie was probably needing some space for a minute to wake up and she said, what's daddy doing down there on the floor? Is that a lion on the floor? And Hadley went and looked over the corner of the bed and said, no, that's a pig. <laughs> it's not easy. Not easy being a dad. Thank you for uh, fathers who are here with us today. Thank you for being here today. It's not... Uh, the most popular destination on Father's Day uh, is not 
church and it's not uh, restaurants either apparently restaurants aren't busy on Father's Day usually I don't know if this is a sign of what people think of us or if it's just our preference that we would rather be asleep somewhere <laughs> or fishing or grilling or anyway thank you for being here today thank you for prioritizing church in some ways I feel like I'm a little bit preaching to the choir today so understand um, as we share this message that you're already the cream of the crop in my book and uh, maybe share some of this with uh, anyone that you think it would be helpful with as I've thought about this homemade disciples concept the idea is if Jesus told the church to go and make disciples of all nations then shouldn't that start in our homes like how can we go and make disciples of all nations if we're not even making disciples in our own homes and we live in a culture in a day and time when it's not even necessarily popular in some circles or uh, maybe even frowned upon to raise your child up with a certain faith or ideology uh, maybe they should just be raised up to uh, explore their options you know that sort of thing but we looked last week at a proverb that said if you'll raise a child up in the way they should go when they're older they won't depart from it and we talked about how that's not like this hard and fast rule where every time you raise a child up right they turn out right we know from experience just as the writer of Proverbs knew from experience that that's not how that always goes but the wisdom in it is that it's the best path to the most desired end if you want what's best for your child and you want them to live the best way of life which we believe is the Jesus way of life God's way of life if you want that for them then the best odds of your getting that is to raise them up in the way they should go to raise them up in God's ways to raise them up to be disciples and so let's talk for a little bit about making homemade disciples and this time from dad's perspective our theme verse for this series is this two-part thing is Deuteronomy 6, 6-7 through 7, where Israel was told that all these things that had just been commanded to them which included the Ten Commandments and that all-important one about Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one while all the other nations worship many gods, you worship one God and you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength which Jesus picked up as the greatest commandment alongside love your neighbor as yourself and in in the context of these commands these most important things teach them diligently to your children and that doesn't just mean send them to Sunday school so they can learn it no in fact the parents job was to talk with their kids about these things in their day-to-day -day life while they sit around at home while they're walking to this place or this that place which they didn't have cars back then so while you're driving to this place or that place talk about it when you lie down at night like it's time for bed talk about it when you wake up in the morning talk about it weave this into your life make it part of who you are of who your family is this was the instruction to parents way back then but is that just an Old Testament thing we saw a New Testament example 
on Mother's Day of a young man named Timothy whose mother and grandmother passed along their faith to this young man who would eventually end up being mentored by the Apostle Paul himself to be a pastor in the early church. He was perhaps one of the very first second generation Christians ever. In a world full of first generation Christians as the gospel had just happened and was going out about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, his mother and grandmother accepted this faith and raised him up in it. And when he was older, he walked in that way. But it appears that his dad was out of the picture with regard to his faith anyway. And unfortunately, I think that's too often the case in our world today. Dads across this country are out of the picture, period, when it comes to parenting, discipline in the home. Not all of them, obviously. Many. And even within the faith, those who believe in Jesus, there are many of us who aren't in the game regarding making disciples of Jesus, of passing on our faith to the next generation. I don't know all the reasons for that. We could speculate. It's not popular. Right? There's uh, our, our society, media, movies, shows have uh, pretty well typecast dads. And so maybe it's just not popular to do those things. Uh, in some ways, I think the government has accidentally, I think it's accidental, some people have conspiracy theories, but accidentally uh, incentivized single motherhood, which is a shame because that's hard on moms. I don't know all the reasons. Maybe it comes back to dads, that we let it happen. But for whatever reason, there's a lack of dads that are engaged in raising up children. And that's a problem. And we talked about on Mother's Day, one of the best things that a mom can do, not only for her kid, but for herself, for crying out loud, to get some help, is to find a man, whether that's the dad that's involved or a father figure, to plug into that child's life and to help alongside in the raising up of a disciple, in the discipline that has to happen to raise a disciple. So all those things we, we talked about on Mother's Day, and that, whew, that's a big help to mom when she doesn't have to shoulder that whole weight by herself. But let's talk specifically about dads today as well and father figures in the life of kids. And we're told that the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. And that struck me as so interesting because, um, I don't know, discipline's not that fun, right? So it's weird to see that word paired with, or that concept paired with the word delights. Maybe that's what it is. You know, no one wants to be disciplined, right, by, by someone external. You know, no one, no one wants that experience. It's unpleasant. It's not comfortable. 
No one wants to be, or at least normal people, don't want to be the one to hand out that kind of discipline either. Uh, There's some people that like to inflict pain maybe, but those aren't loving people, and we're not talking about them today. So, uh, but when it comes to handing out discipline, that process is not enjoyable for anyone, the receiver or the giver. So it's a little strange to see the word delights there. But the truth is, if you love someone and you delight in someone, then you want what's best for them. And if you want what's best for them, then you raise them up in the way they should go. Even when that's hard in the short term, the long term makes it worth it. And maybe another aspect of this is that the son who is disciplined is just more delightful to be around. <laughs> that might be part of it too. A father can delight in his son because the son's not acting a fool. Fast forward, the Apostle Paul writing to a congregation of believers, just a group of people not very different from us in many ways, as far as they were probably a fairly small gathering that met together and read this letter aloud. And some of the letter included very practical advice from an apostle of Jesus that included this line, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. There's actually another verse that says, Fathers, do not provoke your children. This is written to a different neighboring church in a nearby area, lest they become discouraged. This is interesting to me, these two verses. Fathers, don't provoke your children. There's some dads that still need to hear that today. I think you mostly see them at the ball fields. Right, and you're like, <clears throat> Ephesians 6, 4. <laughs> Let me just slip this to you on a piece of paper. And they, you know, whatever, if they're trying to live vicariously through their child or they just have high standards. Sometimes, I, this is just surely a theory. I have no, nothing to back this up. But sometimes I think the fact that dads aren't allowed to discipline the way that feels natural to them in the home is why some of that pent-up aggression comes out on the ball field. Like they're, they're resentful of that. And so then they just pour it on in the one arena of life that they're still allowed to have some authority in the area of raising up their child. And so they fixate on that athleticism or whatever, and that's their thing. Boy, I wish that they would pour some of that energy into raising up their child in the way he should go or she should go but not in a way that provokes the child to anger. Sometimes I would read this and I would think, okay, I've got to be careful not to provoke my child to anger, right? I've got to be gentle. I've got to be compassionate. Uh, and it's easy to read that first line in our culture especially and think, well, I just need to lay back, right? Let it go. Uh, but that's not the Apostle Paul's point. The point but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Do your job, but don't do it like a jerk. That's basically right what he's getting at. 
Yeah, you have an important job to do, but don't be a jerk about it, right? Don't make them hate you, because then they're going to grow up hating this way you've taught them to live. So make sure it's seasoned with love. Firm, but gentle. Kind of like a good mattress, I suppose. Good mattress, you're not going to hurt your hand no matter how hard you hit it. But, you know, gives you support. You don't want one of those floofy pillow things that will wear your back out over time, right? It's no good. So, Dad, there's my advice for you today. Be a good mattress. We shared this, these two things last time uh, on Mother's Day. Let's parent and grandparent with the intention to make disciples of Jesus. And the, that second part, we can't make disciples without discipline. Those two words cannot be separated, and not in your personal life either. As adults, uh, we don't have a parent, you know, hopefully you don't have a parent still trying to discipline you as an adult. All right? But you are needing to discipline yourself if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus. Sometimes we call those spiritual disciplines, right? But there's things that you have to do to discipline yourself and use self-control in your life. That's part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit that God gives you is the strength to be self-controlled, to deny yourself sometimes, to be disciplined. Because you can't be a disciple without discipline. And your child is not mature enough yet uh, you know, to be able to do that for themselves. In fact, I think I shared last week, and the youth I'm sure love it when I share this, but your brain does not fully develop the part that thinks long-term about things until you're about 25 or so is the latest I've seen. Is that right? We've got an <laughs> expert in the house. Somewhere around that. All right, get a thumbs up. So, uh, so until then, you know, it's in development, but, okay, I mean, we, we know this just from observing little kids, right? At, a, at the youngest age, child cannot think of anything other than right now. Give me the candy, right? If, Candy tomorrow does me no good. Candy today. <laughs> Candy now. Candy later today is no good. Need it now. Alright, and then by the time, you know, you're an adult, hopefully, <laughs> that part of your brain is developed to the point where you can say, this will rot my teeth. I better hold off. <laughs> right? I've had enough today. Uh, right? We begin to think thoughts that are more than just about right now, but about the long-term effects. And so, in the lives of children, we have to be able to look at, at a child as the responsible adult and see the long term, not just the short term. And this is why, this is where dads are so critical in the life of children, I believe. You can call this stereotypical, but it's borne out in research that this just tends to be the case that mothers tend to be more nurturing. Not all mothers are the most nurturing member of their partnership with their spouse, right? But by and large, mothers tend to be more nurturing. After all, it's their job to have the child and nurture the child, right? That's 
Like no one else can do that role when the child's an infant, so they're wired to do that. Fathers tend to be uh, more coldly rational about things. Like just lay the child in the crib and let the child cry until the child sleeps. And then we will all sleep and all will be well. And this does not cause us any problems. <laughs> we see, you know, you get to point A to point B this way, let's just do it. <laughs> but it breaks a mother's heart. Right? There's, life is full of these examples all through the whole child raising process and into adulthood of the dad saying, you oh, know, honey, let's let them go, let's let them do it, you know, let, they need some independence. They've got to, you know, they've got to learn some way, right? And and the mother wanting to bubble wrap the child, right? So you need both of these things. If it was just left to dads, there'd be kids with broken heads everywhere. But thank goodness mothers require helmets on their children. So we need both of these, and I believe that that's why God created male and female. A requirement for producing children is also what's best to raise the children. We're told that God created male and female in His image. And I don't believe that the image of God is reflected into this world adequately without both male and female. And that that's true in the world at large and in our homes. And so, if we're going to parent our children well, we need both of those roles to be fulfilled. It's not, from my experience and just looking around, watching TV, you know, seeing my friends, it's not popular to parent like a dad anymore in our culture. And I wonder sometimes if the Apostle Paul was writing a letter to dads today, what he would say differently from what he said to those dads. Because in that culture, the pendulum was too far the other way, right? Dads ruled the roost. Dad's word was law. He was, it was a patriarchal society, right? And, and for some of them, it went to their heads. It wasn't pretty. There was no bubble wrap, no helmets. It was just dad with the law, you know. And they needed, they needed to back off a little bit. What they needed is for mom to have a little more influence in the home, probably, would be my guess. But I wonder what he would say in our culture that emphasizes motherhood as essential to parenting and fatherhood as optional. That says mom's way of parenting knows best. Mom is the expert on all things children. Dad, you can help. <laughs> Just don't act all crazy man, alright? <laughs> don't, don't be too hard. Don't, you know, there's... Parent like a mom. But you can help as long as you parent like a mom. That's the vibe I get a lot just from parenting advice that's out there, from, uh, you know, like I say, watching a show or whatever. Uh, dad is usually depicted as the, the bumbling idiot that can't quite get anything right. But, uh, you know, if he'll just do what mom says, it'll work out fine. So into that culture, I wonder what the Apostle Paul would say. I wonder if he might say, men, step up and do your job. And don't let anyone tell you that it's not okay to parent like a dad. It's going to be a little different from the way mom parents, and that's okay. Your kid needs both things. 
And certainly, like I say, there's still some dads who need to hear the message, don't provoke your child to anger. But there's also some dads that need to hear from their wife, that need to hear from the church, that need to hear from society in general, that it's okay for you to do parenting the way that you're wired to do parenting. And your kid needs that. We can't make disciples of Jesus without discipline because your child does not have self-control yet. And my child, Peter is working on it and by faith I believe someday he'll have it. But he does not have much self-control yet. And so we have to provide the motivation for him because he's not intrinsically motivated to use self-control. So one of the pieces of advice that I would give as we talk about just a practical way to, that this plays out is dads help find what works with your child find the motivator um, for your child it may be you know some kind of something like a SWAT or something that gets their attention but for most kids a lot of kids if that's the only thing you got going for you then that's not going to get you very far you're going to have to find what works with your child. What is it that if you did it, their world would fall apart? And use that as motivation to discipline your child, to teach them self-control. Right now, at this early stage of life, we have to teach them what it feels like to use self-control, and we are the motivation, or we provide it. Uh, our hope is that when they're old enough to you know, have that part of their brain developed and they can see longer term and think more maturely about things that they will provide their own motivation but they'll already know how to use the self-control because they practiced all their life growing up. So now all they need is the motivation and then they can use the self-control. So our job is to help them develop that self-control muscle in this season of life. So, so whether you're a parent or a grandparent Whatever age your kid is, unless they're above 25 and that part of their brain is more fully developed, right? Then your job, part of it, is to discipline them to help them grow this self-control muscle so they can be an effective disciple of Jesus, too. So what works for your kid? It's probably going to be different from my kid, for that matter. I can kind of like look sternly at Hadley and she'll break into tears. <laughs> Peter, on the other hand, is often a different story. And it changes from season to season. And so it is with your kids. Find out what works. Maybe it's, hey, they live for playing ball. Well, guess what? You're not going to practice unless you get this together. Oh, but then that hurts the whole team. I don't know. Find what works for your kid. I bet you the team will be all right if your kid misses one practice. I bet they miss when they've got a cold. There's a sickness that's worse than colds. There's a way of parenting that leads you to resent your child and not like them. There is. That's a weird statement, isn't it? A lot of times parents won't admit this, but... Their child can get to a point where they don't really like them anymore. And they might not think of it that way, but they begin to act resentful. 
They begin to behave immaturely towards the child. They react to the child with a cold shoulder, maybe, or something like that, that's not very mature and can actually do a lot of damage to the child and the child's development. And usually that happens because the parent has allowed the child to behave in a way that no one likes to be around. Not even them, right? And so, those are just some guidelines that if you think, okay, is this behavior something that makes me like or dislike my child? Is this behavior something that's going to help them have good relationships with other people? Or is this going to hurt their ability to relate with other people? And that's a good marker of whether that's something worth working on or not. And if it is worth working on, then it's worth finding the motivator that will help them work on it. And so that's just kind of my practical parenting tip. But I also want to talk about specifically making disciples of Jesus in the home. And so my practical bit on that is that we can't make disciples without being disciples. That's kind of like, none of this is rocket science, right? But we can't make disciples without discipline and we can't make disciples without being disciples. They need to see it modeled in us. And not just going to church, though that's a great start. When you go to church, you're saying that this is a priority in my life. But that doesn't tell them why it's a priority in your life. So pursue your own relationship with Jesus. Again, for some dads, this is a challenge. Because I think maybe especially in Southern culture, I don't know, probably all culture, it's not particularly seen as manly to do Christian stuff. Right? Manly is out at the ball field. Manly is, you know, hunting, fishing. We don't often think of leading prayer or leading in a worship service or leading in a Bible study or just coming up to the church to serve or whatever. We don't think of those things as manly for some reason. But if we don't, then we raise up a generation of boys who don't think it's manly to follow Jesus. And if we don't, then we raise up a generation of girls who don't know how to look for a godly man. Because even though they may think that this father figure in their life is a godly man, they don't really know what makes him godly. They haven't seen him pray. They haven't seen him do these things that a Jesus follower would do. And so he doesn't look that much different from people who aren't following Jesus. So we have to somehow in the church, that responsibility is not just on dads and not just on grandpas, but on every man in the church to be willing to stand up and lead in the church, to be willing to pray, to be willing to read their Bible, to be willing to show up and participate in worship, even if it ain't pretty. Because we want our kids around us to see what men following Jesus looks like. So I challenge you today challenge you to make disciples 
Just like said in the Old Testament and reiterated in the New Testament, pass along your faith to your kids. As a church, let's pass along our faith to our kids. And we can't do that without discipline. And we can't do that without being disciples. When I was a little kid, yay high, went on a hike with, um, with our extended family. And along the way, there was a... All right, since I've gotten older, they tell me the tree was dead. Questionable. But there was a tree beside the trail that my papa pushed over. And I was in awe. Right? Needed all my friends to know that my papa could push over trees. When I was a little bit older, uh, we, were, we always came down south for summers and winters. Uh, my parents were teachers, so we had time to travel, and this was where extended family was. And uh, My great-grandfather, Merle Kennedy, lived out at Green, near Oak Grove, and had a house with a pond behind it. And we were at his house one evening, and he invited me out on his boat on the pond just him and his shotgun and me, to look for Nutra rats. Anyone heard of Nutra rats? All right. He had some that were a nuisance in his pond, and so we were going to go try to kill them. So we're out there. I've never heard of a Nutra rat before, never seen a Nutra rat before. He spots something in the twilight that looks like a Nutra rat, and he shoots it. And we go over, and he pulls it up out of the water by the tail, and it's the biggest thing called a rat that I've ever seen in my life. And he looked at it, and he said, Ah, that's just a baby. <laughs> it's like, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> Apparently the mother could eat me. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I remember also one time my... Uh, my dad, we were taking a walk as a family and we were walking our dog. We had a boxer, which, you know, it's like a 75-pound dog, full-grown. And I remember my dad picking up this dog and raising it to eye level because he did not approve of the behavior of the dog and talked sternly to it and set the dog back down and the dog acted great the rest of the day. Uh, and I was like, wow, I don't think I could do that. You know, that's impressive. Dads for kids are larger than life, right? And grandpas and great-grandfathers. Those men also led me in prayer. Those men also came to church and served on committees and led committees. They were gone sometimes in the evening because they had work to do at church. Sometimes those men sat down in a chair and read God's word and I saw it and I grew up with the idea that that's what real men did I didn't have some separation between you know uh, oh that's sissy stuff and this is not those men took their family to church Sometimes annoyingly so, singing to them on Sunday morning until they got out of bed. <laughs> Everyone must go to church. You know, I don't know. 
I don't have the song right to annoy my kids with it. Plus, I have to be here so early that I don't get to do it. And usually my kids wake me up. Maybe when they're teenagers, I'll find a song about going to Sunday school and <laughs> torture my children with it. No. I say all that to say, who will show our boys and who will show our girls who will someday look for a man what it looks like to be a man who also follows Jesus. And many of our kids will find that in their father because their dad will do that. Some of them won't because dad's not there or, or dad just can't do it for whatever reason. And so it's up to all of us whether you've got kids at home or whether you don't have kids at home, to come to this place and let our kids see men of faith. So I challenge you with that today. Dare to discipline. Dare to lead at home. Lead your family in prayer and worship at home. Dare to let them see you lead at church. Do it for your good, do it for their good, do it for the world's good, and mostly do it to honor God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for being a good father. And thank you for giving us dads. God, we confess that the responsibility of parenting is a hard one. And in the end, there's only so much that we can do. Holy Spirit, help us to do what we can, though. To the best of our ability, help us to make disciples in our homes, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.